Hi guys, today I wanted to talk about what would I do if I was starting reselling today on a minimal budget. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Reseller Niche Podcast, a show for e-commerce buyers and sellers where we investigate unique items being bought and sold and show you how research equals knowledge equals profit. hesitant to spend money because you're not sure what you're doing. So I thought I would explain kind of a brief kind of bullet pointed overview of starting reselling if you had no clue where to start, how to start, what to do. Uh, this is what I would do. Um, I just wrote this up really fast but it's kind of rough around the edges and if I'm talking too fast what I've done is I'm going to put this in the show notes so you can see just the bullet points that I'm reading here just in case you missed something. So without spending too long in each section, let's get started and um, see how I would get started reselling today. So the first thing I would do, obviously, is look at what I would need to re start reselling. Equipment, what do I need? The first thing, obviously, I would say is the most important thing these days is a cell phone, a smartphone. You have to have an internet connection, obviously. You have to access whatever platform you decide to sell on and be able to use that to research as well. So cell phone would be number one. Number two, if possible, if you have some other kind of computer or laptop, anything else, that would be great. That would make things a lot easier, but it's not necessary. So for now, we'll just stick with a cell phone. Um, I think that eBay is kind of uh, a good way to start. It's kind of like a gateway reselling platform. So next thing I would say is download the eBay seller app. The eBay ha app has everything we need to do uh, to get started. Uh, you can do everything 100% on the eBay app. Uh, picture taking, picture listing, correspondence, research, everything. So I started on eBay uh, as it's kind of a platform that kind of has a little bit of everything. You can sell everything, pretty much everything, uh, unlike a lot of platforms has a lot less restrictions. It's not necessarily the easiest to learn, to be honest. Um, I thought it was only because I've used it for so long, but uh, a lot of the other apps are much easier to use, like Kakari and Poshmark are very easy to get started as well. So I wouldn't discount any of those, but I'm just gonna be going with the eBay app because that's the one I know the best. So next thing I would do is once you've got your, um, electronics uh, situated, I would say set aside a room or a section of a room, a part of a room, whatever you have for reselling. And that could be for everything, for reselling, for storing your inventory, picture, picture taking, excuse me, and um, just for, you know, sitting there and actually doing the correspondence and looking through the eBay app and listening. Uh, 
preferably you want some kind of a table as well to take pictures on. Kitchen table works great, nice and big, flat. Um, if it's something that's, you know, maybe oddly colored, interesting wood design that you want it to cover up, you just get um, simple white sheets would do. You probably have them in your cupboard. Or if not, uh, if, you, um, if you can push that table up against the wall, uh, what I do, especially when if I'm out of town or in like in a hotel room, if you can push up any table or anything that's flat against the wall, get a piece of white foam cardboard, you can get them for a couple of dollars at any Walmart, Target, a dollar store. Um, get two or three pieces, they're probably about maybe two feet by three feet. And you put one flat and then you put one up against the wall. So you have a complete white background. Um, that is great for a background for any picture taking you want. And eBay prefers it because their listings, they say Google prefers it, to be honest. And eBay likes anything Google prefers. So long story short, if you can just have a clean white area, regardless of the color, if it's just kind of a uniform clean color, then that works. Um, without distractions. You don't want to take pictures where you can see other stuff that's not being sold that's in the picture. So that's what I would do. So even if you can't, to be honest, use the table, um, you don't have that available. If you can have a floor area that's big enough, like three, four feet just on the floor, even if it's on the carpet, if your carpet is clean, that's good enough for now. Um, one thing I would advise though is Lighting, a lot of times people spend a lot on, you know, oh, my pictures are too dark, this and that. If you're worried about that, to be honest, the best lighting is outside. Sunlight is the best. If you can take pictures in your backyard, even if it's on the cement there, it doesn't look ideal, but at least the light will be great uh, if you take it at the right time of day. Um, so, or if you have a room that has good windows, uh, you know, just know when the best time of day is to take those pictures and use that. Don't spend on lighting kits or anything like that right away. You'll find once you start researching, you'll find what you need for your space. Because a lot of times people say, you know, what lighting kit should I get? And the first question I would ask is, how much space do you have? Do you have two feet or do you have like a room? You know, you got people with giant full size lighting kits and you got people with like 12 inch by 12 inch, 24 by 24 inch lighting kits. Um, so you need to figure out first what you need, what your space it, uh, requirements are, and then you can figure out uh, about lighting kits. So uh, next thing I would say is it's a requirement. If you're going to be shipping, selling stuff, you need a printer of some kind. Um, there, I started off to be honest, using a regular printer. I can't even remember. I think it was a, a brother printer. It was a regular paper printer, print out labels on paper. Um, it's not ideal, but to start with, I would just use that. Um, if you're looking to jump right into it, you have, you know, the budget for that. I would look up thermal printers, people like Rolos and Dymos. And personally, I use a, a Zebra ZP450. It's older, but it's never given me any issues. The reason I like thermal printing um, printers, sorry, is because you're not going to be spending money on ink and you're not going to be spending very much on paper. You do have to buy um, the rolls, the label rolls, but those are usually less expensive than buying ink and paper. So 
I'd recommend if you have the budget, look into a thermal printer. Uh, if you don't, like I said, your regular printer should be okay. One tip I could give, I don't know if this is really outdated though. I got my thermal printer for free. I got it from FedEx because I have a shipping store and we used to have a shipping account. So every, I'm, I'm talking about like 2005 here, I think they sent us this for free. Um, every couple of years they would ask, you know, do you need a new printer? Now I know that's different. If you don't have a FedEx account, they won't do that. And, and so you might want to check with UPS and FedEx, see if you can possibly open up a UPS and FedEx account. And I would cite, you should cite your eBay account. They'll, it, the first thing they'll do is ask you, what's your business? How much shipping do you expect to do? What's the dollar amount? Um, you're going to have to estimate that kind of stuff. They don't charge you to open up an account but they do put you on um, kind of temporary terms. So, uh, uh, and everything I'm saying here is going back a few years, they may have, may have changed this, but usually they would say, okay, we're gonna give you, you know, uh, a FedEx account, but we need you to do X amount of shipping in the next, I don't know, six months, the next year or something like that. Um, that's fine, um, to be honest, because even if they were to shut down your account or anything like that, you know, for lack of ship, and this is none of this you're doing here is nefarious. You're not doing anything that's you know, illegal. You're just saying that I expect to do X amount of shipping in the next six months. And they'll say, okay. And then the next thing he says, well, can I have some shipping supplies? Uh, that's the question I don't know the answer to. If you, I would ask for a printer, just say, you know what, we're going to be doing this. We need a label printer. So see what they say. I don't know if that's going to be uh, something they'll say yes to, but it doesn't hurt to ask. That's how I got mine for free. One other thing I have heard recently from eBay is they've just rolled out a new QR code um, program. I haven't used it personally, and I have heard some people say that their post offices don't accept this. Basically, the, what the program is, is after you complete a shipment, I know we haven't gone into how to do that yet, but after you complete doing a shipment, instead of printing out a label on your phone, uh, it will have a QR code. So instead of physically printing out paper or a label, you take that QR code and the, the packaged item to the post office, stand in line. They will scan that QR code and print out a label for you and then put it on your package. So obviously they're going to weigh it and make sure it's the right size and dimension. So you want to make sure that's correct. But that's what it says and theoretically that would be great i'm i've never used it uh per se i probably would only use it in a pinch because i usually don't sell one package at a time it's usually multiples and also i don't really like standing in line at the post office i usually just go there to drop them off but to start with if you're sending one or two packages it wouldn't hurt to ask your post office if they provide that service so at least, you know, you have peace of mind that, okay, I don't have a printer. What do I do if I sell something? You can go there and they'll take care of it for you. But you got to understand that you got to make sure that you're sending something that's going through the post office. I'm not UPS or FedEx. Um, so make sure of that first. And one thing I'm not sure how they would do is eBay's, um, I know I'm getting far ahead of myself, but there's certain eBay shipping tools uh, I think they call it international shipping. There's global shipping. I'm not sure how they would print those out. Maybe it's in the QR code already that eBay provides. I don't know. So just double check before you do it. That's what I would say. Check with your post office first, ask if they provide that and go from there. So 
that's what I would do in terms of that. And then the last thing in terms of equipment, I guess we'll call it, is uh, plastic tubs or cardboard boxes, something to organize your listed and unlisted items. Great for organization, peace of mind, to be honest. I'm horribly unorganized, really messy. I never did this and I should have. But you can get plastic tubs, in my opinion, that would be best. You can get them three or four bucks at Walmart, Target, I don't know, even Home Depot and Lowe's sometimes have sales on them. Anywhere, Sam's Club, Costco. Um, the reason I, I like plastic tubs is you can, once you're done packaging an item, you can um, assign it some kind of a code and um, put that item into a designated area. The reason I say this is because I didn't do this and uh, I just kind of had these separate areas. And I thought, okay, well, I've got shirts over here. I've got video games over here. That's fine, blah, blah, blah thousand items later, I'm looking for an item and it's taking me a lot of time to find them. Especially if you get, you know, 50, 100, 200, 500 shirts, they're all in one area. That's a really, really good recipe for a disaster. So I would recommend if possible, if you can get tubs or boxes and have them labeled, you know, A1, A2, whatever you want to do and organize them in a way that you can find them you organize the item and goes into said tub or said box and then ideally you take that information you put it into a spreadsheet like i use google sheets from google docs it's really easy i can email it to myself i can check it on my phone and you can keep track of it if you do that from day one that's really really going to help your organization and you can see what you're doing if anything gets lost, maybe you have multiples of something, all that kind of stuff. It really helps to be organized. Like I said, don't be me. <laughs> don't mess up on day one. Uh, this is something I would highly, highly, highly recommend. Now for the fun stuff, inventory, sourcing. How do we do with this? So. I'm only going to go into this a little bit, but let's get started. I would highly recommend not spending a lot of money on inventory or any money at all to begin with, ideally. And that's not necessarily because you have the money, you don't have the money. Um, it's more of a learning thing. And uh, you've heard people say that you should look for stuff around your house to sell. They're 100% correct. A couple of reasons for that. One, you'll probably know what that stuff is might sound silly, but you'll probably know, even if it's a gift or something you bought yourself, you know a little bit about that item. That's going to help when you're describing titling. If you're looking for, you know, you know, you're listing a video game, you'll know what system it's from. You'll know what year it was made in, you know, what brand, all that kind of stuff that helps at the beginning. Uh, once you're, you know, you want to have the best descriptions for your items. Also, the best way to learn, obviously, is you want to have kind of a stress-free environment. So if you're learning with reselling with stuff that's basically free, that takes away that, kind of gives you a little bit more peace of mind that, okay, even if this doesn't sell, if it sits, I want to get rid of it, I didn't pay anything for it. So that's just the way I think. And that's a, I'm sure you'll hear other people say that same thing. So if you can find things that you know about, you enjoy dealing with as well, I would start with that. Uh, simply, if you want to make it very simple, pick 10 items 
And the reason I say 10 is because eBay may limit you to 10 items, but we'll go into that a little bit later. So pick 10 items, uh, start looking up each one on eBay. Um, you know, you may want to just pick 10 of one item or 10 different items. Kind of depends on how far you want to go. I would personally go 10 or maybe not if you don't have 10, but various different items. So you could look up various different categories, you know, look up video games, clothing, you know, sporting equipment, media, whatever the different things you have are, look them all up. You're, you'll be surprised. Something you think is expensive is not selling for anything and vice versa. And the reasons for all of that can vary from anything to being, you know, supply and demand to, you know, um, anything. You don't know until you look it up. So look up, look up, look up, research, research, research. The main thing I would do to start with is looking up solds. Under eBay, when you look through the app, you can click on sold. So you know, on, you say so you look up your item, you can look up, you know, Wrangler Western shirt, and then you can scroll down on the left-hand side. I'll have a bunch of categories. One of them um, will be say sold. And once you see that, then you can see, you can compare whatever you're looking at to whatever somebody else sold. This is something you should get used to and get used to doing it a lot because we all do that even after all this time, because not only is it because, you know, you want to know how much something sold for, you want to know how much something sold for now. These solds are sold within the last 90 days, I believe. Um, and something that sold today for, I don't know, $45 may have sold a year ago for $150, but maybe that brand is now not as popular. Uh, so you, we want to keep up with that kind of stuff. The easiest way to keep up with that is to look at a couple of souls. If you see three or four that sold for 45 bucks, when, you know, you bought it for $200, you know, a year ago, that tells you something, it tells you something about demand for the item. Now, maybe if you look a little further, you see now there's a thousand items listed when a year ago, maybe there weren't very many listed at all. So that's why souls are really, really important, especially on eBay. They let you see that info. It's another reason why I like eBay because a lot of platforms don't let you see sold items. Um, and I wish they did, but they don't. Uh, but that's one thing. Uh, this distinction is important. You want to be competitive and list for the going rate. So that's why solds are so important. Um, you want to make sure that you're not listing for too much or too little. So when you're looking up items, you're always looking up items and with the mindset that you're gonna be listing this item. So that's why I'm talking about descriptions and titles, that kind of stuff. All of that information is great, but the most important thing is what is it selling for? If this item is the greatest thing in the world to you, but unfortunately nobody wants it, um, it's not the best item to put on eBay. And that's something you're all, you're gonna face. You're probably gonna buy something that uh, you think is the best thing since sliced bread, and then it's not gonna sell for whatever reason. It can be a one-off, it can be super old, vintage, it can be in great condition, but nobody wants it. And then the opposite, you can buy something that you didn't even think about, it's an afterthought, it's at the bottom of a box that came for free, and that could sell for a lot of money. So. This is the reason souls are very important. 
you want to keep checking that stuff. We want to make sure that whatever you think is necessary is correct. Try not to go off assumptions uh, because it gets us all in trouble. I would quote uh, Nicholas Cage from the The Rock, but uh, this is a family show, so I won't do that. So, okay, moving forward with every soul looked up, you'll gain a little bit of knowledge. So just keep doing that every single day and get used to that, kind of make it. And actually one thing I do is with sold listings, I'm keep harping on about this, but because it's really important. Um, I look up sold items for items I don't even have yet that I'm just thinking about buying. And then if you see people with these videos on YouTube about, oh, you should look up sold listings for this category or that category. If you can do that, that is the best information you can get out of anything because it's current information for real items that were sold. So regardless of what anybody else is telling, you can see numbers. Numbers don't lie. If you see 50 items selling for X amount of money, you probably know the price. You probably know that item is selling pretty well. So anyways, moving on. Inventory. If you don't have enough inventory, if you don't have items that you're comfortable selling at home, ask someone, ask your family, ask your friends. You've heard people say that as well, you know, anyone else. Along with that, a lot of websites have free sections, Facebook marketplace, Craigslist offer up. Um, even if they're not a free section necessarily, what you'll see is a lot of garage sales, at least by me, they won't be able to get rid of everything. So at the end of the day on a Sunday, you'll see a sign that says, take everything. That's a great way to get stuff. You can also find these online sometimes um, on Monday mornings. Um, I've seen it. We've got stuff before I got a, a, I got a recliner that way uh, a year ago. Um, leather recliner. We're moving. They had a moving sale. Nobody picked it up. They moved. So they left it on front. Uh, they just left it. They said, you know, in, on, under the overhang in front of our house. I went there 8 a.m. Monday morning. It was still sitting there. I picked it up. I was done. You see that with a lot of stuff. People can't get rid of it. They don't want to pay for, you know, 1-800-JUNK or whatever to pay because that's literally you're paying for someone to take out your trash. So especially when people are moving, a lot of these moving companies, you know, they'll charge them. So they don't want to do that. So they'll just try and get rid of it for free. So you can swoop in there and take whatever you want. So you can even pick and choose a lot of times uh, if there's nobody there if it's sitting on the sidewalk. Um, and that's something I do, especially after garage sales, estate sales, and then you can make, maybe even possibly make connections with the people that run those estate sales and say, you know what, anytime you have stuff that is, you know, left over, you can't get rid of, give me a call. I'll come by and get it. Um, and it's a good, good way to get rid of stuff. I've, I've even done this at library sales. Uh, it was a library sale I used to go to a lot in the Bay Area. And then after like the third or fourth day after cutting prices as much as they could, they had to get rid of X amount of stuff and they couldn't. So they just said, you know, take it. It's free. Here, take it. These are free boxes of those books, CDs, that kind of stuff. And when I used to work at a college, they did the same thing. I worked at a college bookstore. They would have a sale once a year where they would blow out stuff. And most college kids didn't want it because it was older stuff. It was pointless stuff for them. And I literally took uh, boxes of CDs and I would sell them and I would get them for free. You know, maybe it'd sell for a buck or two, but I got it for free. So always look for the free sections. 
Um, we'll look at places to source in future episodes. So you want to, you know, maximize which where you can get stuff from, and if you can get it for free, maximize your wallet as well. So all right, so moving on, getting started on eBay. Like I said, eBay is just what I'm picking. You can get started on Macari, Poshmark. You know, uh, I know someone that sells a lot of stuff on Facebook Marketplace. They do great. They avoid any of the platforms that charge any fees. So if that's what you want to do, go for it. Um, you know, it's actually Facebook Marketplace is super simple. Uh, the only difference is you have to, there's no uh, government in a sense that, you know, overlord that's going to help you out. It's just you and the other person. So, but it's simple. You just take a picture, write a description, set a price, you're done. At least they can verify that you're a person. So that's what, that's one thing I heard from my friend that sells only in Facebook Marketplace and local places. So, but for this, uh, podcast we're gonna we're gonna go over eBay a little bit so when starting on eBay you want to remember that you usually will be limited to the amount of items you can list so maybe you source a thousand items at the beginning I'm pretty sure it's 10 items I'm not sure maybe somebody can point that out I think it's 10 items they start you off with um, so one thing you can do there's a couple of things you can do to expand that one thing I would do is max out whatever that number is 10 25. Um, and kind of once those items are listed, um, after a couple of days, don't do it on day one, you can call eBay and say, you know what, I'm out of space. And they're usually pretty good about maxing out the, uh, sorry, expanding the number of listings that you can have. Uh, I've done it with uh, my daughter and my son have sites. They listed 10 items. We were stopped at the 10 I waited till the next day and I called in and to be honest, um, before I called in for my son, I had already called in for my daughter. They had already bumped up the listings to 250. Now, one caveat to that, I don't know if that was because their accounts, you know, they're under 18. So they're attached to my phone number. So they may be able to see that, oh, this is, a, there is a person with history on eBay here. That's why they may have done it. So. That may be the case. You may be brand new to eBay and you have no affiliation with them whatsoever, no history with them. So when you call in after a day or two, uh, if you can just say, you know what, we have all this great this stuff to sell. We can't do it at the moment though, because we're maxed out. We only have 10 listings. They'll look, I mean, it won't take very long for them. They'll look and say, okay, yeah, you don't have any issues with your account, which you shouldn't after a couple of days. And then they'll most likely bump you up. I don't know what that number would be, but um, I've heard from everyone that if you do that, they do that and they'll bump you up. So according to eBay, uh, this is straight from the website. eBay, uh, one thing, oh, I should say this first. One thing you, you do have to note is that when you sell on eBay or maybe some of the other sites too, they're going to hold any money you make for a certain amount of time to make sure you're not a scammer and make sure you're a real person. So you can't sell on day one and get paid on day one. Even managed payments for us, we have to wait a couple of days to get it. Um, I don't know what this, the timing is for brand new people on eBay, but I'm guessing there's a certain, they used to call it PayPal jail, where they keep your money for X amount of time and you'd have to wait, I don't know what it was, a week or a month to 
get your money. Hopefully it's not that long, but according to eBay, eBay payment holds. If you're a new seller who hasn't established a selling record yet, we may put payments from your buyers on hold. You'll become an established seller when it's more than 90 days since your first successful sale. You've had more than 25 transactions and 250 sales. So they didn't say definitively if and how long they were going to hold um, uh, buyers payments for, but it most likely they will hold. So if you're new, bottom line, expect to have your money held if you make a sale. Um, this is frustrating, but after a time period, it says 90 days, which will go by fast and $250, you can make that within a, you know, a month, I would say easily. Um, so anyways, uh, so after that time period, you'll be off to the races. One thing I would recommend is to increase your eBay feedback as soon as possible. This is one thing that shows that you're going back. You're not one a person that just logs in and makes one purchase or one sale and then disappears into the night. A lot of times with eBay, you're going to see this. And especially the longer you're on eBay, you'll see this. You'll see people that literally look like they logged in, purchased right, and then left. Now that could just be someone that never uses eBay and it, you know, legitimately was just one to buy your item and that's it, but it could be the opposite as well. So because of that, um, eBay feedback really helps. It, it kind of legitimizes you shows, um, whoever that buyer is that you're a real person, you're there for the long haul. You're not going to take their money and run. They had a big issue with this. I want to say 10, 15 years ago. Um, on a side note, we had, uh, a customer that we dealt with, and this is when I was running a shipping store. I want to say this is 2005, six. They were an eBay seller. Uh, we even packaged some of their items. And then I would notice that I was packaging broken vacuums, broken TVs, broke, broken everything. And it would ship them off and this and that. And then they ended up getting a mailbox from us. And once they got that mailbox, they disappeared which was weird because they were coming in like every couple of days and then nothing after they got that mailbox. Long story short, they were defrauding people, sending them broken junk. They got the mailbox because I guess I'm, I'm thinking that they didn't want to use their own address. They don't want to get caught. So they thought, okay, we're going to redirect it to this guy. And then I even got um, the postal police coming in asking about uh, an address. And the funny thing about the postal police, they don't ever open mail. They come in and just ask, is this person here? And I just have to ask for their ID, confirm it and say, yes, actually they are here. They look that there is mail for that person and that's it. All they do is basically confirm that that person uh, had a box there. So anyways, long story short, you don't want to be one of those people and you don't want to be considered to possibly want to be one of those people. So increase your feedback. How do you increase your feedback? The easiest way is to buy penny items on eBay. You can do a quick search, um, sort for lowest price and within your state within whatever. So it comes fast, um, and buy super, super cheap items. If you can buy like 10, 20 items for a couple dollars, that's a good way to increase your feedback and then pay immediately. So, uh, whoever that, seller is leaves you feedback and good feedback only just one thing to that is your that is buying feedback uh i'm sorry i should rephrase that that is uh, 
that's going to, there's, you have buyer feedback and you have seller feedback. That's going to be under buyer feedback. So you will have feedback in your account, but technically the uh, person can actually go in there and see that that was feedback that you got as a buyer and not as a seller. I don't think many people will go and take all, all those steps to do that, but that's one thing I would do though. Increase that feedback, get over at least 10. Um, it shows that you're a real person and it just kind of legitimizes your account as a seller. And then eventually somebody's going to buy something from you anyway. So um, this is something I, I didn't really have to do only because I was on eBay for so long. I had eventually picked up feedback without thinking about it. So um, it's something that uh, I, I think I've, I've heard a lot of other people talking about. Now, when you're listing on eBay and when somebody has, when someone's looking at your listing, I should say, um, if you don't have any information listed about yourself, that's another thing the, this is, um, that kind of will maybe lead someone to not buy from you. So this is maybe insignificant, but I think it helps adding a simple profile picture, filling out your profile and having a good username makes you more legitimate. So you want to have a picture. If that picture corresponds with your name, that's great. Like, you know, I'm, um, you know, uh, whatever it is, whatever you're into, you know, golf man seller. And then you have a profile picture that has a picture of somebody playing golf. It looks like, okay, this is a real person. They've taken time rather than eBay seller six, seven, eight, nine, four, seven, two and no profile picture. You look like a scammer. You look like fake. You don't even look like you're really there. So that's one thing I would do. And you can do that on the second you start your eBay app, make yourself as legitimate as possible. The further you have your, you know, more information you have in your eBay account, i.e. feedback, profile information, the better you look, the more legitimate you look. So, um, that's what I would do from day one, actually. And let's move on to actually, I'm going to kind of go over briefly over listings, a, an easy way to get started. Um, you're not going to know what a listing is, how to do it, how you should even do that. Good way to get an idea about a listing is to just take a look at, at someone else that's selling your item and um, has already sold your item. So let's just say you're selling, like I said, a Wrangler Western shirt look up Wrangler Western shirts and you can look them up in a couple ways. You can look up as currently listed or sold. I would look up both and get as close to the item that you're selling is as possible. Reason for this, you want to know how much to sell your item for, how much it's going for currently that's not sold. How many there are, maybe there's 5,000 of these things and they're not selling. Maybe there's three of these things and they are selling. You want to know that information. And also this helps you. You're not going to know how to list something. If you can look at a previously sold item, look at the title they use, the keywords, look at the picture. How do the pictures look? Uh, how did the description look? All of these things will help you. Now, one thing I will uh, caveat to item disc uh, descriptions 
a lot of people are using their phones. A lot of people don't really use descriptions. And when you start listing on eBay in a brand new account, they're going to have, I haven't used it very much, but I've seen it. They kind of have a default view. There's like a, a simplified eBay view. So basically you'll put in a title and eBay will automatically take that title and add a couple of things and then create a description for you. It's kind of a faster way. They're kind of saying, let's get this item listed as fast as possible. So you can stay within that view. If I forget what it's called exactly, but it's kind of like the default view when you start eBay now. And um, if you revert back to, I think it's eBay Classic or whatever the, the older view is, then you have to go in and you have to add all the categories. You have to add all the descriptions. You have to add all the little parts of the listing. Uh, I would start with whatever the default eBay has on the eBay app. Start by using that. Uh, reason being is it's going to have the, it's just going to be the bare minimum. It's going to have the basics and it'll get you to list your item faster. You want to have those items, 10 items, whatever the maximum, sorry, whatever they allow you to list. You want to get that up as fast as possible and then go back after the fact and tweak. Obviously you want to have the correct price. You don't want to list a price you don't want, but as long as you have the pictures, the title, and the price in, and it's the right, you're not, you know, you're not trying to sell a video game under clothing category, that type of thing, then you're okay. So what I would do is I wouldn't worry so much about descriptions because people don't really bother with them as much, even in your pictures. Uh, for example, when I take pictures of clothing, I don't really write the number like, uh, the, the measurements in the description, I have a picture of rulers. So my picture one or two, I think picture one will be just a picture of the shirt. Picture two, three, four will have the different measurements, like the length, the waist, you know, uh, elbow to elbow or sorry, um, armpit to armpit, excuse me. And if it's a jacket or long sleeve shirt, I have more. So usually, people don't really take the time to read anymore. So if you have your second or third pictures with a picture of the item with a ruler measurement, and then I usually write something like, uh, please refer to pictures for measurement for measurements or please refer to picture for ruler measurements, something like that. Um, maybe that doesn't make sense right now, but it's going to save you a lot of time in the long run. Uh, because like I said, people don't read. So also another thing, another going back to why I would say, look at what people sold their items for and why they were sold uh, uh, for whatever amount they were sold for. Uh, you can use that information, not just the description, the title, but also the keywords that they use their title, the order they put the items in, um, you know, you, do they put like, there's a couple things that I sell that I don't always use the brand first. For example, if you were to sell a shirt and in the title, um, you say it's a Supreme t-shirt, you would put Supreme probably first because that's a highly searched item title or keyword, sorry. But let's just say you have a generic shirt. It's a generic white shirt, but it has a logo on the front. I would describe the logo first. So let's say, you know, it has a superhero logo on the front but it's an unbranded shirt, you know, it's Gildan or Anvil, some, you know, mass market unbranded shirt. 
I would start with whatever the item is. Bottom line is you want to go with the most popular term first. So usually that's the brand. If the brand is a no-name brand, start with what it is. Like say, instead of a Wrangler Western Pearl Snap shirt, maybe it's a no-name brand. So I would start with maybe Western Pearl Snap shirt. And then maybe at the end, you can put the brand in if you have room. So I don't want to go too much into titles and descriptions. We can talk about that in another episode. But the best way, like I said, is to look at somebody else's sold. Don't copy it 100% because you technically can get flagged for 100% copying an item. Tweak it a little bit and then go with that. And then hopefully you'll get an idea the more you do that of how to sell uh, moving forward. So lastly, because I'm starting to ramble here a little bit, so I hope that made sense. Uh, I want to go over a few things that might help in terms of people that just say, you know what, I have no idea where to get anything. I don't have anything at home. I don't know where to find stuff. So first thing I would say is know your area. Where do you live? What can you find in abundance for cheap? That's probably moving forward the best thing you can do. Finding stuff, a lot of it for affordable prices that you can make money on. So this is kind of how you also figure out what platform you're going to be on. Um, because if you sell a lot of stuff that is great for Poshmark, a lot of uh, stuff that is new in box, sealed, brand new items that you think would go better on eBay. And that's kind of how you figure this out. So maybe you're in a college town, for example, tons of books. Maybe you want to look into selling on Amazon because you can buy them in bulk. You can buy a ton of them. But maybe these you know, I, maybe you sell, or I'm sorry, maybe you're kind of in a golf course area. You live in a golf course or you live near a golf course and you have a lot of golf shops and thrift stores that discard a bunch of golf clubs. Now, maybe you're thinking about eBay because you want to sell all these golf clubs or used, but, you know, great condition. So uh, it's kind of like the example I give is I posted a picture of a Disney item as a toy in our Facebook group. Um, if you'd like to join that, it's a reseller niche pod, uh, reseller niche help group on Facebook. But anyways, this guy, remember, he, he posted after and said, yep, I live in Orlando. I'm really close to a lot. I see a ton of these Disney items all over the place. I don't see those where I am, but he does. I mean, for me, if I was him, I would be looking at a lot of those items because a lot of people around the country don't see those same Disney items. So know your area is one of the most important, unique things to your selling account target that stuff you know this may lead you to the right platform like i said other than ebay like uh, like i said i know people that sell a lot of heavier stuff that are suited for local sales so it's my long-winded way of saying take the time to research because research equals knowledge equals profits so i hope this helped i kind of went off on a few tangents there and i apologize but I hope that helps for anyone that wants to get started into looking to get started reselling. So if you have any questions, I'd be happy to help. If you can email me at resellernichehelp at gmail.com, or you can find me on IG, Instagram, under reseller underscore niche, or find me uh, under my handle, Mo Fremont, on Facebook. Uh, in, the, in our Facebook group, the Reseller Niche Help group, um, 
it's a small group, but a lot of people in there that are very helpful. So if you'd like to ask a question, please do that. And also if you'd like to, two things that would really help us out. If you'd like to leave us a, a voice message uh, with any questions or comments, that would be great. And most importantly, if you could possibly leave an Apple review or a review wherever you listen to this podcast, uh, we're also on YouTube as well. Um, that would be great. These reviews really push us. And then even if you have a comment about, you know what, you talked about this, can you talk about that? That would be great too. I'll be happy to do that. So until the next one, thank you so much for listening to the Reselling Niche podcast. This is Mo signing out. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Reseller Niche Podcast. Show notes and social media links are located at resellerniche.com. Please comment, rate, and subscribe to us on iTunes or YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts.